Why does it suddenly seem like everyone has an ADHD diagnosis? Do you know what neurodivergent means? How can these disorders be cured or fixed? Today, we're going to be covering exactly what the neurodiversity movement is, why it's important to you, how it affects those you care about, and why you should be paying attention to it. Things have changed a lot since the 90s when a lot of these disorders even came out as a thing. And we're going to go into a lot of detail on this topic, specifically ADHD. If you haven't listened to us before, we're two successful entrepreneurs who've gone 35 plus years, literally our entire lifetime with ADHD. And we've been dealing with it and working around in a world built for those without. This has presented many challenges for us, but often has been the root of our successes as well. So if you've been diagnosed and maybe you've had trouble trying to fit in, or maybe you know somebody who has, or maybe you even have a spouse who just gets their most important belongings or a friend who just is never on time, be sure to tune in to today's episode. We're going to cover the basics of neurodivergence and what the movement surrounding it is. What was it like to grow up with ADHD, both diagnosed and undiagnosed, and what coping strategies for ADHD are, even when we didn't realize they were coping strategies. One size doesn't fit all. Be sure to listen to the full episode because we're going to share some really important perspectives, our unique experiences, and go over why us crazy folks do exactly what we do. We crazy. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Welcome to the I Didn't Know What the Fuck I Was Doing podcast. We're your hosts, Teresa and David. This is the podcast with two ADHD entrepreneurs who've made a lot of mistakes. Each week, we discuss ways to navigate business, relationships, and health. We also interview excellent guests who share their own personal IDKWTF stories. Listen today so you can hear some relatable content as we normalize uncertainty and obstacles. Because it's important to admit that no one really knows what the fuck they're doing. Welcome to another episode of the I Didn't Know What the F I Was Doing podcast. I'm David. Welcome. I'm Therese Merrick. We are here once again with something super cool. What are we doing today? We are going to talk a little bit more about neurodivergence, which means mostly ADHD, since that's our main experience. Yes, that is our experience. But I think we'll cover uh, a good range of things, right? And well. Neurodivergence is not just ADHD. I think it's important to like say, I think in the first one we talked about ADHD, we mentioned autism, but it's like dyslexia, dyscalculia, OCD, bipolar disorder. I'm just rattling off the things that I are off the top of my head. There is Tourette's. There's quite a few different disorders, disabilities, whatever you'd like to call them, that we want to teach you to call them neurodiversities. Yeah. And the reason I, I really wanted to talk about this is because I still, this is a newer movement called the neurodivergence or neurodiversity movement. And there's still a lot of old ways of thinking about things like ADHD or bipolar. And I feel like just having a place where it can be talked about, where I guess those people in our lives are listening might be more open to hearing about it. The old school way of talking about it was very deficit based where that's no longer the case. But I still think especially people who are who are very neurotypical, there's nothing wrong with that, but they, because it's not 
always relevant to them, right? They haven't kept up with a lot of the terminology changes and the reasons for it. And so I thought this would be a good place to kind of talk about the overview of what's changed and then talk about our specific experiences in there with it. Yeah, um, absolutely. So- like it's because it's relevant. And I think a lot of times we learn something and then we file it away. So if you learn three times three is nine, great. That is a perfect thing to file away. Three times three is nine. That's never going to change. We don't need it to change. But there are certain things like diagnoses of a disorder of some kind Mm -hmm. or what, you know, and that's where you get what terminology do we use? If you learned about it five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it has probably evolved, changed, become something new. And that's generally something that's happened in society in lots of different areas. But this one, there is still huge stigmas about what it is to be neurodivergent, to have ADHD and have that diagnosis. Yeah. And and I think learning about kind of some of these differences, it, it what it really is is empathy. It's teaching, it's learning how to treat someone with respect that has a difference than you. Whether it's a neurological difference, whether it's a physical difference, being open to understanding is the key. Yeah. 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 I completely agree because ultimately we're all just humans walking around doing our thing and we're all different anyway. Neurotypical neurodivergent is just one way that we have differences from each other. Yeah. But there are some differences that are more overt than others. It's not the same thing as just having a preference either. This isn't something that can be like, oh, I'm going to relearn how to do this. That's not Mm. quite how it works. It's not quite how, exactly. And so what I wanted to point out with exactly what you were saying, that just as biodiversity is critical to the health of ecosystems, neurological variation is not only natural, but is actually central to the success species. I think what we talked about in episode one was what a lot of people confused or one of our early episodes anyway, but a lot of, a lot of people confuse what is average with what is normal. Right. And yeah, this, we absolutely talked about that. Yeah. And I think this perfectly sums that up just because something isn't average doesn't mean it's not normal and doesn't mean it's a deficit or something bad. It's actually incredibly important to the benefit of society and ecosystems as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Throughout the last 30 years or so, especially in the 90s, which I think is where a lot of the these definitions of things like ADHD bipolar, which wasn't it called, it was manic depressive, right? And then they switched to bipolar. Yeah. So all these terms were created back then. Oh yeah, well, AD, ADHD wasn't ADHD, it was ADD. Exactly. Exactly. What's crazy, right, is that the study of the brain is still so new. There's we know so little about how our brains actually even work. So to say that, well, I learned this about any kind of these neurological disorders, you're probably a hundred percent wrong, right? Well, right. And I actually read specifically (laughs) neurologists. Yeah. Well, I read this interesting book a couple years years ago, and it talks about like how much we can even change our own brains as far as the way we think, the patterns that we think. We don't use all of our brain all of the time, which is probably a good thing, but it's just our brains all work differently and we don't 
understand all the capabilities of how like we can change our own pathways. There's all sorts of fun. Yeah. Neuroscience. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a really cool study. And honestly, if I were to go back to college and kind of do things over, not that it's not too late, I could, I just don't feel like it. But if I were going to, I would definitely go into some sort of neuroscience or psychology. I just think it's such a cool study. And so I think now is probably a good time to take a little break. Perfect. Please listen to this little sponsored ad from your most amazing sponsors, David. The most amazing sponsors in the history of sponsors. This is a podcast for anyone looking to improve their personal, professional, or family life. We craft these episodes so you can learn from or relate to our experiences and opinions. And we'd love to hear more about you. So if you're interested in connecting with us further, as well as other like-minded individuals, we recommend checking out our creatively named Facebook group, Colorado Entrepreneurs. You don't have to be from Colorado or be an entrepreneur to join, but it doesn't hurt. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Colorado biz. That's B-I-Z. And send us a join request. Or check the link in the description and show notes below. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. So I think it would be useful if we shared a little bit about our experiences growing up. We did a little bit in our other episode that we talked about. But I think just sharing maybe how things could have been different if we would have had this lens of neurodiversity versus just bad kid, a talkative kid, any of those maybe stigmas that were put on us that could have been different had we had a diagnosis and or had the diagnosis been understood like it is now. And been more like socially accepted and worked into Yeah, where it's not like, don't tell anyone that you have this diagnosis. Like you didn't want your friends to know or something. And now I mentioned it yesterday when I was buying a new phone, I said something about, oh yeah, I have ADHD and blah, blah, blah. And the guy that was selling me the phone was like, oh yeah, I have ADHD too. Yeah. Part of that whole conversation. It was. (laughs) And that's just having that level of understanding. And again, the words behind it, I think is so cool. And so imagine if we had had that growing up, right? Right. That level of like connection. (laughs) And so for me to kind of talk a little bit about like my past, because like you said, I was diagnosed as a kid. And then I think it was probably like second or third grade because I was always in trouble. I was always talking. I couldn't focus in class. I wanted to fidget. And that was seen as like the worst possible thing a kid can do at that point. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I was doing some deep trauma work with one of my mentors. It was a whole, it was a whole like immersive program. And I was saying, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I was a bad kid. And he said to me, he was like, well, what is a bad kid? I said, well, were you torturing animals? I was like, no, no, I just didn't listen. And he's like, well, you know, there's no such thing as a bad kid. Children just express themselves in the only way that they know how. What I was going to say is even if you have a 10 year old that's torturing animals, like something is not right. There's a reason, but yeah, yeah, but should you even call it bad? It's no, to me, that's a huge cry for help. That's, Hey, an adult really needs to do something to support this child. Right. Yes. And what does that look like? Lots of people would label it bad, but in my mind, it's like, well, that kid learned how to act out that way. Yeah. It's not a bad kid. He's probably learned from bad parents or from parents who are doing their best, we should say. Right. Or yeah, lack of, lack of parenting (laughs) or adults that care about them that would 
maybe redirect or or help them through whatever it was, whatever was causing them to act out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, growing up with that label of being a bad kid, which meant, man, like I would just get in trouble all the time for everything because I was, they wanted me to act a certain way. They wanted me to sit there, be good. But I just, you know, as a child, I have all this energy. I don't know what to do. I can't poke it. And so fidgeting helps me focus better. If I can have my hands do something, I can listen better. And we'll talk about it. I think next- We are going to talk about this more later, but that's another thing that it's, it's actually called stimming. Like we've renamed it so that it's like people can understand. It's not just like a nervous fidget actually has a place inside the neurodivergent world. Yeah. And so learning how to manage it is the key. Instead of saying, stop doing that, which then meant I wasn't paying attention. I would get more frustrated. I would act out more. And then I was put on, I think it was like Ritalin back then. I don't think Adderall existed. Yeah. And so that would help me focus when I was in class, but then I couldn't sleep at night. So they put me on another drug to help me fall asleep. And then I was just in the cycle. And I remember actually, they ended up taking me off the drugs because they said I was just acting like a robot. I had no personality left when I was a kid. And so that's when they got me off of those. Um, it's so and, hard because you'd never want someone to become catatonic. Yeah. Or anything and then... <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, so growing up and without that, I was, I had a hard time focusing. I did terrible in math because it was so boring. I was constantly late to everything. You remember in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, we would go to the, the school store where we would get like pens and they would give us like a planner that we were supposed to pull out and put our homework in. I have not thought about that in ages, but yes. Remember that? You remember like getting like the little like planner. And then we had to put the, uh, the, the paper bag over our notebooks because you had to move back. At the end. I hated that. I would always go buy stuff. I hate the way that feels. Sidebar, <laughs> side note. Do not give me cardboard or paper bag. Like I, but I always got like the sticky stuff, but yeah, how we would always, there were certain things we did to organize textbooks. And I envy the kids of today that will not understand what it is to deal with all those textbooks. Yeah. So I can say, we might've even been you, but you're like, oh yeah, my kid takes a computer to school and that's all. It doesn't lockers. Yeah. Yeah. That's my son in eighth grade. Didn't have lockers. (laughs) They yeah. didn't have lockers in eighth grade. I hope they start using them. And there's other uses for lockers, but it's not the same as in middle school and high school where I had to have a locker because you could books. literally carry six books that were these hefty mm-hmm. science and math and all the things. Yeah. So, and by the end of the second week of school, I would lose all of that. and My books were ruined and it was just, it was just chaos. And it's part because also the adults that raised me didn't have the skills to help me cultivate the things I was good at. And again, I was labeled as a bad kid. I was labeled as stupid, even though I had a college level, a college reading level in fourth grade, I was reading like Stephen King books, Lord of the Rings. I loved reading, but I wouldn't do my homework. Right. Right. So your grade didn't reflect the amount of knowledge that you had and how smart you actually were. Because when you're grading students on turning their homework in on time, or if they can keep their books proper or whatever, and you're not actually grading them based on the learning, it's all action oriented. How perfectly can you do this? And that's extremely neurotypical 
Exactly. How are you on time to class? If you're late to class, you're going to get penalized. If you're don't turn your homework in on time, it's a 10% deduction every day that it's late until it hits zero. And then you're just SOL, even if you know the material, even right. if you didn't need the homework, because homework is essentially practice mm -hmm. so that you learn the material. And now in schools, say you're really good at math, like my son is super good at math, but he has a hard time sitting and doing like a huge paper assignment. And oh if he, if like he that, doesn't that know the math by 10 questions, you just had oh. right. If he doesn't know, the practice is good for him and he doesn't like doing it, but he understands the reason. When he knows what he's doing and he gets it right, then he just hurries through it. He makes stupid mistakes. And then he's getting a bad grade based on the fact that he didn't want to sit there and do this work that he's like, I really could have shown you in three or four problems that I knew how to do this. Why do I need to practice it? I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, yeah, you're exactly right. Cause you want to get done as fast as possible. So it's just those stupid mistakes that happen. So it's just been a lot of that. And actually, so the one trigger thing for me was hearing, oh, you have so much potential. Oh, you're so smart. You have so much potential. If only you would just do what I tell you to do. If only you would just listen better. If only you would just sit still. If only blah, blah, blah. And so that phrase stuck with me forever. And that's my trigger phrase. But it's not huge changes. We're not asking to like restructure society completely. It's no. just. Well, and everybody's different. different. So that's the thing is you also can't make a one size fits all rule. <laughs> And that's essentially what like school systems have done. What societal systems have done is they're like one size fits all. And it's mostly done in a fashion that works for people who are neurotypical. Yeah. So what's kind of your, some of your experience through life, maybe in your childhood or getting older that you found huh. was just not congruent to the way that you, you mentally operate? Well, I definitely like you always late always running behind my sense of time or how much time it would take to do something. I've gotten better about it. And I've, I have a couple little like tricks that I use for myself that have actually helped me figure out how long it takes me to do something. Mm -hmm. But for me, a lot of it was also being super talkative. Yeah. So when I was a kid, and so to this day, still, if someone is telling me I'm talking too much, I get very sensitive about it because I don't ever want to over talk, overshare, and I know I do. But I was told you have diary of the mouth. And just I don't even I don't even want to say it out loud. Like it I feel it like in my chest. It's, I feel horrible when I even think about it was only said to me like directly, maybe two or three times my whole life. So it's not something that was said over and over. Mm. But it was so, like, it really hit me. I also am not a fan of like potty humor. So to me, poopy, like those kinds of jokes, farting, I don't like it. I think it's stupid. I think I don't want anybody near me when I'm in the bathroom. I just feel like I don't mm. like any of that. So then having the fact that I talk a lot associated with bathroom, anything, like yeah. it just made me feel horrible. And do you remember like a particular time where you were told that or like what was happening? Were you like excited to be sharing something or what kind of happened? Honestly, it was probably a time when I probably should have stopped talking, like being a teenager where I was 
you know, in an argument with my parents. I really didn't want to call out that it, it was one of my parents that said this to me simply because I love them and I know they did the best they could. And this phrase came up once because I just, like I was just talking back and I was mad. And so, especially when I have high in the motion, if I'm really excited, I talk way too much. If I'm really pissed off, I talk way too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty typical for me. Anger or excitement, I talk too much. So the one time it was said you were angry or talking back about something. Yeah, I don't remember the, I don't remember the subject matter. I just know. You were trying to express yourself. And yeah, because if I was arguing, if I was arguing with my parents about something mm -hmm. and I was arguing that hard, mm -hmm. I probably felt that I wasn't being heard or that I was being treated unfairly. And even if I was wrong, because who knows, I was a teenager, it's high probability that I really should have stopped talking and I wasn't in the right and I was being rude or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't remember the circumstances. I just remember it was like a gut punch. Yeah. I would it was like it wouldn't have hurt so much if you were trying to be bad or just be disrespectful. Right. Like you're probably trying to explain yourself and justify what was happening. Right. Like I absolutely felt that whatever I was saying was needing to be said and it was important and I wasn't feeling heard probably. Whether or not like I, whether or not I was in the wrong really isn't the question. It's just that phrase. It's like now, if I'm told that I'm talking too much ever, even though that phrase isn't used, <laughs> I I always kind of like go, or I, I overthink after the fact. I'm like, oh, did I talk too much? Did I talk too much? Did I talk too much? And it's like, if someone wouldn't have just said that I, Teresa talks so much, she's just a talker. She's just chatty. I mean, so many, there's so many positive ways that being talkative and being self-expressive can be used as an adult in yeah. life. And I was just going to say, imagine had that skill been cultivated from you at an early age, instead of being able to shush, to be quiet, if they had cultivated that, giving you a healthy outlet, giving you your own TV show, like a fake TV show as a kid, right? Right. Or do something to express yourself. The people who make the most money in this day and age are the people who talk. Like to do something like that, to give me an outlet like that, or... Even just like a voice recorder and have me do my own radio show. Like. And that, so that is, I think the biggest issue that I have with how the world is going right now is we're trying to force people into a certain way of thinking and acting defined by a small group of people. I think it's also worth saying I didn't say this before, but anxiety and depression are both also considered neurodiversities. Yeah. And I am hard pressed to find any adult that has not dealt with one or the other at some point in their life. I've been diagnosed with depression multiple times in my life. And if they had connected that to ADHD, if they connected my people pleasing and anxiety around certain things to ADHD, potentially those things could have been managed differently than saying, oh, here's some tools for you to fix it <laughs> because it's not fixable. Right. And it doesn't need to be fixed. The strengths right. need to be encouraged. Right. And if you're dealing with something like depression, sure, you don't just want to live in depression all the time, but there's lots of people who do. Mm. And it's not just 
fixable. And I think that's still a stigma too. When you see more, more often it's talked about, I think depression is a, a good one that's more often talked about and people are like, you can't just fix it. It's not just, oh, we'll just get yourself out of bed. It, it right. doesn't work like that. Right. And that's one after learning how deep, like how deeply rooted ADHD is in my mind and how, like how a part of my life it is on ways I didn't even realize and realizing like how many things it affects in my life and how like just differently wired my brain is. I wanted to, I want to learn more about depression to see exactly how it affects people's everyday lives and just the brain chemistry behind it. Yeah. Well, I think overall, ultimately the point we wanted to get through in this first part of this episode is that neurodiversity is a thing. Embrace it let go of the old ways that we talked about disabilities want to talk about it in in a way that brings our humanity to the forefront because we are all humans we all have threads of similarity and we're all different so even if you stick someone the exact same age gender every they resonate with everything they're still going to have different life experiences and different things they deal with and so we want to talk about that and so we want to give you all the info. So come back for part two. Thanks Before. for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been part one of our two-part series on this topic. The second episode will be out next week, if it's not out already. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please consider liking, subscribing, and or reviewing us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if there's someone you know who clearly doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and would benefit from this topic, please hit that share button and send them this episode. Let's normalize the feeling of uncertainty. Asking for help and admitting that we don't know what the fuck we're doing either.